and you're going to get knocked down and it's not going to work. You're going to get fired. You're, you know, a pandemic's going to hit. But like if you can get back up and like pick the bat back up, like you have another chance to swing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Privileged Black Kids with your host, Kendall Camp. On today's episode, I brought on co-founder of Quarantine Con, Scooter Taylor. Um, we ended up talking about what he learned throughout his internships in college, some of his early startups such as Look Alive, and his newest endeavor, Quarantine Con, and advice to people going through a pandemic. Now, you know, I'm sure some of you guys who have heard lately, who have listened to these episodes, I've been having Zoom issues. This one I got lucky. It went a little better. There wasn't much lag. It was it was pretty good. So, you know, we're finally getting back to some type of normalcy in this pandemic, according to these podcast episodes. Um, if you're listening right now, show me that you're tuned in by taking a screenshot and posting on your Instagram stories that you're listening to the Privileged Black Kids Podcast. Make sure to tag our official Instagram page, which is at Privileged Black Kids Podcast. I'll put the names to those in the description. Also, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to hear more content of Perfect Black Kids. And give a rating and review if you like this podcast as well. Make sure to share with all your family and friends and DM me on Instagram for any feedback. Again, thank you guys so much for love and support. And here's another episode of Privileged Black Kids. Hello, guys. This is another episode of Privileged Black Kids with your host, Kendall Camp. And today I am with co-founder of Quarantine Con, Scooter Taylor. Scooter, how are you? What's up, man? I'm feeling good. I'm, uh, it's a good Saturday right now. Uh, so now I'm feeling amazing on this end. How are you? I'm doing well myself, you know. Uh, definitely, you know, having this episode made it, I guess, a better day. You know, I love doing those. And I don't know, honestly, like trying to get you on this episode or get on this podcast, it was a minute to try to get you. Because like, I remember pinging, I don't know if you know Austin Jeter. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to get Scooter on the podcast. Like, I, I'm emailing him, but he's not responding. He's like, you got to keep trying, bro. And then I was like, all right, like, let me reach out to uh, Lavani Jones, like, see if she can maybe help me out a little bit. And, um, yeah. you know, thankfully, she was able to help me out and get you on this podcast. So it means a lot. No, look, uh, thanks for thanks for being persistent, honestly, for putting my name on the list to, to be here. Uh, I've checked out some of the other episodes and you got some some pretty esteemed guests. So uh, happy to happy to be here, number one. Uh, but, you know, the persistence thing, that's the mark of a good entrepreneur. So keep, keep that quality for sure. Um, but no, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm here, man. And, um, anything I could do to support, honestly. So let's, let's make it happen. It should be fun. Yeah. Thank you. So, you know, really I want to discuss throughout this episode is, you know, your time throughout college, some of your entrepreneurial endeavors, and then some of your advice to people just building a startup. Um, but first off, I'm wondering with you, you know, we both, you know, thankfully I'm going to graduate hopefully in about now a year and a half now from where I was college. Let's go. Um, let's go. I'm wondering for you, you know, how did you end up choosing an HBCU going to Morehouse College and you ended up studying marketing? Yeah, no, good, good question to kind of start off. Um, you know, I went to a, like a private school in Memphis. Uh, that's where I'm from. So I'm from Memphis, went to this like, you know, preparatory all boys school from seventh to 12th grade um, and was one of seven black guys in my uh, graduating class of about 98. Right. Um, and so, you know, um my sister uh thankfully big sister seven years older had went to college at wellesley college so an ivy league up in boston she calls home one summer and she's like hey you should really think about these hbcus uh, i have friends now in these internships and they're getting the same job roles as i am 
and it seems like they're having way more fun <laughs> at college. And so um, she was like, check out Morehouse. And when you think about it, I had a lot of friends that also were thinking about Morehouse. So of those seven black guys, uh, two other ones were also applying to Morehouse. Um, I had, you know, relative, not relatives, really like friend, like family friends, right? Friends that I've grown up with since five years old who were already at Morehouse. Um, and so I think that year from Memphis, there were like over 20 Morehouse folks. Um, and so it just felt right, I guess. <laughs> um, it felt right. Um, and I was like, let's go. And, you know, when it came to the major, I think I was like international studies for maybe the first like year because like, that's what I just put and that sounded good. I was like, oh yeah, I want to do business and go abroad. Like, that's what I want to do. Um, I don't think I had the language for like digital marketing and, you know, growth and startups and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, very quickly, I, I knew what I wanted life to be like, though. Um, you know, I I'd had a history making money on YouTube. Uh, so mm -hmm. when I was like in high school, we were we were YouTube partners. And so I felt this idea of like, oh, got an idea. Let's go make a video about it. Put it on YouTube. It gets views. Money comes in. Mm -hmm. um, more than a lot of money, but it was just like, you know, that was what I was used to. Um, I also taught martial arts taekwondo so you know i'm kicking people around in pajamas uh, um uh for money and so i never really did um quote unquote like food services never worked at chick-fil-a or i never you know had to do like super i guess like manual labor um or just mind-numbing things right for money um so all that to say when picking a major i was like oh yeah like international business maybe marketing something that'll be fun like that um which is cool okay no that's dope so I'm guessing with that, like you really kind of came out with having an entrepreneurial spirit and always trying to find different ways to make money. That was fun. Um, well, I think I was just trying to have fun more than like trying to make money. Right. Um, yeah. I didn't, you know, a lot of these things were like projects. Um, I think we're just now starting to get into like, Oh, these things make money. But like, um, you know, I, I, there's other people that have stories that are like, Oh yeah, I sold Jays or I tried to sell baseball cards or I flipped this and I wanted to see my bank, you know, my piggy bank grow from like a hundred dollars to $400. That wasn't me. Um, I was like hanging out with my friends and, and having a good time and, you know, just trying to do creative stuff. Right. Like, you know, uh, our first YouTube channel, um, that we started getting paid on was about Apple products. And so, you know, my introduction to getting my first MacBook, right? I saved all my Taekwondo money. I bought a MacBook and, uh, you know, you just get introduced to iMovie, GarageBand. And so I'm like, you know, having fun making songs on GarageBand and like making videos for YouTube and like trying to be funny and like put them on Facebook and all this kind of stuff. Um, and none of these were like money things, right? I mean, even, you know, even when you think about YouTube, well, there was cash there, but it was still very like, this is just fun that we're doing uh, and not really look at it like, okay, this is a business. Um, and so then even going to college, it was like, oh man, I want to just do like fun projects. And I know if I do these fun projects, like it's going to pay off at some point. Right. Yeah. So if I do the first fun project I tried was this thing called water wars. And it was, uh, I tried to break a world record uh, as a sophomore in college, uh, me and Trayvon. Um, and so we said, let's break the Guinness Book World Record for the world's largest water balloon fight. Like, how do we bring 12,000 college students together? How do they throw 300,000 water balloons? And like, let's break a world record, but let's also do it for charity. So what if all 12,000 people donated five bucks, right? We could raise 60 grand to go build wells in Africa. So this was like, you know, 
end of the first year, start of sophomore year that I'm thinking about this. Mm -hmm. And again, to me, it's like, this is a fun project, A, but B, like, if I do this, like, man, I can get any internship I want, you know, like I yeah. can get any job where I want. Um, and so, but it, it wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm trying to do this to go make a million dollars. It's like, oh, that'll all come uh, when you just do good work. So that, that's how I was thinking about it. Um, and I'm sure as we get into the conversation that has shifted a little bit. But <laughs> Yeah, that's super dope. So I guess to kind of stay on the land of, you know, you and creativity, I'm wondering, when did you really find you had an interest in the intersection of tech and culture? Um, I mean, you know, when I look back on it, I guess I've been playing in this space for a minute, you know, uh, I just didn't know that was the intersection I was at, you know, but I mean, I, you know, I, again, going back to high school, going back to having these devices that we're on right now, these iPhones and these MacBooks, right? Like that is the intersection of culture, right? Like that's culture and technology, right? How do you take GarageBand, flip it and make a song about Kool-Aid and put T-Pain's voice effect on it, right? Like that's culture. And then you put it on Facebook and drive views, right? And shares and people commenting. That's, you know, putting culture on technology and like adding value to those platforms. Um, and so, you know, I think that was like, something there. I mean, but even, you know, learning how to do these campaigns for the water campaign, like the water campaign in college, like I think always been playing here, just didn't know it. I think started to realize it and put the language behind it on the first startup, uh, which was Look Live. Um, but even now, I think mean, still like learning what, what that intersection is and, and, you know, how to be there. I think at the big, at the basis of it is like, I like to have fun. And to me, our culture is probably the most fun uh, to like really do things with. And then you mash technology up with it. Um, it can just, you know, things can fly and we're seeing it time and time again, right? TikTok, blah, blah, X, Y, and Z every other week. And so, you know, uh, some of my first internships were at apps like Yik Yak, right? Which was a social media app um, that was here in Atlanta. They had raised $80 million in funding. They were worth $400 million. I was one of their first interns. Um, like I was like number eight on the team, but they had never heard of, you know, Morehouse or they had never really had any adoption uh, on an HBCU campus, mm -hmm. uh, to be honest. And so again, another tie of like, yo, how do we mash up the culture of HBCUs, our people uh, so creative and talented and give them this tech product, Yik Yak, right? What could be done? And so, you know, I look back again, I'm like, I was always at that intersection, but now I think I'm just learning that, like looking up at the street sign, like, oh, okay, that's where I'm at. <laughs> okay. And I'm just curious, you know, what was Yik Yak? What were some of the, like, I guess their main objective at the time as being like a social media platform or just, you know, what were they and kind of let the people know what Yik Yak was? Yeah. So, you know, imagine that you had an app that you could uh, post like short messages to. Uh, so kind of like a Twitter, uh, but it was all hyper local. So that means I'm in downtown Atlanta. I can only see people who are in downtown Atlanta and their messages. So if I go to Buckhead, I'm going to see only Buckhead people and they'll see mine. And then when I go back to downtown, I see downtown again. So that was like the, the essence of it, right? Like, oh, hyper local messaging. So if someone says a building's on fire, like, I know that person at least in like a three block radius probably. And like, I should look up, right? And that worked really well on a college campus because now it's just the, the, the yaks are literally all in your college campus. So if I'm at University of Georgia, like this is hilarious because now someone is like, yo, you ever see that guy in the plaid shirt? And like, everybody looks up and it's like, oh, the plaid shirt guy is right there, right? It's all hyper-local. Um, and so, you know, free app to download. They were number one in the app store. 
their goal was just make this as big as possible. I mean, if you think about the movie, The Social Network, that I think was what they were living. I like we haven't had it. And like, let's just make it as big as possible before we think about monetization, before we think about advertising spaces, like let's just keep growing and growing and growing. Um, and it worked for a while and then it you know, didn't work, but <laughs> it worked. Got you. Yeah. So, you know, I guess on the internship realm, I'm wondering, you know, you interned at Job, Jobwell and yeah. I'm wondering, you know, how did that actually, you know, make you a better entrepreneur, you know, down the road? Yeah, great questions. Um, you know, my first internship, I'll go back here first. My first internship was at a big tech company. Um, and I think that internship probably made me uh, the best, a better entrepreneur than maybe some of those other internships. Um, just because like I got to see a, a functioning company run, right? I think people kind of forget like, you know, even though we're building a startup, the goal is not to keep it a startup, right? The goal is to build something that has value, that like produces revenue, that like adds value to customers. Um, and so seeing a big company, it was like, oh man, look at all the processes they have set up. Granted, they have thousands of people, but you know, when I come in as an intern, it's very clear what I need to be doing. It's very clear that I need to meet people on my team. And you know, it's not a start, it's a big ass company. So it's like, I have time to like, you know, sit and like do this stuff versus my first day at Yik Yak, they were like, yeah, we've never had an intern before. What do you want to work on? Like, I don't even know, like, what do you like? We like, here's all the work we have to do. You yeah. know, and it was like, whoa. And so Bell was able to leverage that first internship experience and be like, okay, well look, Yik Yak, I want to actually meet all my team members. Well, there's only 10 of them, right? So it was pretty easy for me to go meet every all 10. But who am I meeting in a startup? I'm meeting the CEO. I'm meeting the COO. I'm meeting the CTO. I'm meeting the head designer. I'm meeting the head of marketing. I'm meeting the head of you know customer support. So I'm meeting all these people and they're like, who are you? You just started like, okay, cool. Like, what do you want? You know, but I'm asking questions and learning, okay, how does the CEO and the CTO connect to each other? What does the COO do? Why does, you know, why in the, in the Monday meetings does, you know, the CEO say this, but when it comes to doing this, this is for him, you know, Hey, what is PR? Like, we don't even have a PR team right now. Okay. How does that work? Right. When, you know, so I was learning all these little things and I don't think I would have done that if I hadn't had the first internship. Um, but you know, to your point, the Joppel internship, yik yak. Um, I think, you know, it just, it gave me confidence that like I could do it. Right. Like I think number one, it was like, okay, none of these people are no smarter than I am or no dumber. Right. Like we're all, you know, we're all just trying to figure it out. Um, but like, you know, I can do this, right. If I really put my mind to it, if I really have the support and the people around me, uh, I think I can do it. Um, and so, you know, I learned that, uh, you know, I also learned uh, definitely, you know, some of the cool things around just like, you know, team meetings, right. Like to me, this is all about getting uh, a number of at bats, right? Which is funny because your, your podcast name, but like, yeah. <laughs> how do you, you know, obviously some of the more privileged people in the world just get more at bats, but like, yeah. how do we help people get more at bats, right? When I say at bats, I mean, just attempts to go try to live their dream, right? And you're going to get knocked down and it's not going to work. You're going to get fired. You, you know, a pandemic's going to hit, but like, if you can get back up and like pick the bat back up, like you have another chance to swing, right? Um, and like, let's go try to get a home run. Let's go try to get on base, like just getting the chance to like be at the plate for an at bat is like important. Um, so all that to say, like I've been fortunate enough to have, you know, a good number of at bats where, you know, in college as an intern, I'm sitting in like a really high growth startup that has funding 
and I'm at the team meetings, right? And so that those monthly, you know, we've all been in startups, you all know those Monday meetings where everyone gets around. Like I, I've been doing those since like, I don't know, I was 19, you know, 20, 21. Um, and so now when you think about, you know, 27, still very young, but like, you know, on this startup, it's like, man, I've, let's go. Like we've practiced this enough to where yeah. this is, you know, must worry. So, um, you know, being able to see things a lot, um, is a definitely an advantage. I think, you know, I'm lucky to have, and, you know, want to make sure that everyone else kind of can pick up this knowledge that I've been fortunate to pick up. Right. I can be like, Oh yeah. You know? So, yeah, no, that's dope. And to have so many good experiences and you know, you're only like 27, you know, those are just, you're a step ahead of a lot of people at your age. So, you know, that's a great thing. Um, I'm wondering something, you know, this is for, you know, I would say even, you know, myself and my peers, you know, what are your thoughts with students trying to balance working on their entrepreneurial endeavors in college, but searching and having internships? And we know even with school, that takes a lot of time as well. So what is your advice to students who are trying to balance, you know, those two or three things? Yeah, I think there's definitely a moment around um, like time, right? So like, you know, um, like be probably a little bit more patient uh, and give yourself time. Um, obviously, let's, you know, let's try to get it all done uh, and have that hustle, have that ambition, but also like, don't be upset if like, you have to stop the project uh, for the internship or one of those things, right? There's a lot of that factors that have to happen, right? Um, but I, I would say like everything you are doing is literally a piece of the plan, right? So like, I don't think we get to quarantine con if I don't do my side project uh, with Water Wars, but I, we also don't get to quarantine con if I don't take that internship at Yik Yak or take that internship at Jopwell. Uh, uh, which I could have easily been like, no, I'm going to just stay heads down and do my own thing and kind of like have this pride up because I'm like, I can do it. And it's not that you can't do it. It's just like, hey, like the timing might not be right. Um, and, you know, realistically, you know, especially if we're talking about high growth tech startups, we want to we want to fail fast. You want to succeed fast. You know, it's like, yeah, look, I got to know if it works or not. I, it's not, you know, it's not really in your benefit to spend years on something that is not working or that you don't see like, you know, you're not getting better at. Um, and so, you know, being able to recognize that as a, as a quote unquote youngin that like, okay, Hey, like I tried this project. It got to where it got. I think it's, you know, I'm good with leaving it here and taking those skills to go develop. Uh, also just refining those skills. Right. I think, you know, it's important to, you know, part of being an entrepreneur is also having like an amazing network, right? I think, again, you, you've seen it where you're like, okay, who in my network can get me to a scooter, right? And yeah. so like, you've got to be, you got to say like, like, who in my network can get me to my first paying customer, right? Who can get me to that contract at UPS, right? Who can get me to that contract with the Department of Defense? And so, um, you know, I don't think you build those relationships in a silo. <laughs> like you build those relationships, but actually also like, going to internships, right? And like, I still talk to my old bosses at internships who work at Google and who work at these places and like, they love me, I love them. Like, it was a great time. Um, I don't have to talk, you know, we don't talk super often just because of, again, like growth and things, but you start to build those relationships there. And I think like, you know, it's important for us to try to be in those seats early. Also, so you can see what you like and don't like, um, you know, and, and but, I would say take and make them all learning experiences. Like there are no bad moves, especially I think if you're between the ages of like, I don't know, 17 and like 22, like no bad moves that you can make, right? Whether it's your side project or it's an internship, like try to do as much of it as you can. Um, 
you know, but you know, and go from there. We can, we can go deeper into that, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, that's great advice. Cause you know, at least my age, you know, being 20 years old and all my other friends were all stressing out. We're like, man, like this is quarantine. Our internships are remote. Like we want like the full fledged opportunity, like that real experience. But you have to realize like, it's not, this isn't going to totally define what your life outcome is going to be. You know, you can still okay. make things work out. And I don't think I'm going to be like 50 years old and look back at quarantine being like, man, I would have done, I actually would have had this now if I didn't have COVID-19, like you just make it work, you know? Yeah, no, which is, I mean, was, again, in a startup, like things are going to break, right? Like things are not going to work out well. And like, you feel like you're never going to have enough time. And so being able to adapt and, you know, not beat yourself up. Like if I beat myself up on Monday, it's going to be hard to get out of bed on Tuesday. If it's hard to get out of bed on Tuesday, then I'm going to really feel crappy on Wednesday because I know that on Thursday, I'm not prepared for that meeting because why I spent all day in bed on Monday and Tuesday. Then Thursday gets here. I push the meeting back. Friday gets here. The week's over Saturday. It's like, yo, you know, it all was because you had one bad day. Right. And so imagine being able to really keep yourself disciplined enough to say, okay, I'm going to like still make progress, even if I'm not feeling it today. Right. Even if it is difficult or tough um, and not let situations really get you super down because there's so many things that can get you down. Right. The company's not making money. You have no customers. Design sucks. You don't have any engineering team. Uh, your co-founder just quit. Um, you know, there's a pandemic outside. No one's heard of your business. You have four Twitter followers, your Instagram post gets five likes and it's only your family. I mean, there's like so many things that you can literally beat yourself up about in an early stage company um, that like you really got to stay disciplined enough to like not let that you know, shake you. And so I think when you zoom out and you're like, oh man, like, you know, it's like, yeah, we are in a pandemic. Like, sure, things aren't the way that you probably would have wanted them to be, but like, we, we got to be on the move, right? Like we can't, we can't sit here and like, uh, you know, wallow too much in our sorrows in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I kind of wanted to shift over to, you know, a company that you started, um, Look Live, you know, that's really how I, you know, got to know about you. I think I was talking with my friends and like, look at this, uh, this application called Look Live. And I'm like, this seems dope. So I'm wondering for you, you know, can you explain to people what Look Live, I guess, was and how the idea came about? Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, an, an amazing team of co-founders and different people were a part of that company. Um, you know, I, I definitely played a role, uh, but there were some other folks that were definitely there even before I jumped on the team, right? Oh, yeah. um, and so it was an idea that had been iterated on, reiterated on, you know, taken apart, put back together, put some duct tape on it uh, by the time that I was really kind of like at the table. Uh -huh. um, and so, but again, this idea, and this is, I think, one of the first introductions of being like, oh, this is culture technology, right? But it was like, hey, um, you know, the big thesis is culture drives the world, right? Especially our culture, black culture, right? We see it time and time again. Um, and if you think about one of those pieces of our culture, it's fashion fashion trends, right? You know, uh, Air Force Ones, right? Bandanas on the face, right? Grills, like do-rags, like, you know, there's like so many different fashion trends um, that have just been, you know, kind of like reiterated on. And so there's this idea about like, hey, you know, if we know culture drives the world. So like when this person in our culture does something, it becomes popular. Um, and we know, especially for fashion, can we start predicting the future? So if ASAP Rocky wears Air Force Ones, 
can we know that he's going to wear Air Force Ones and can people, people are going to buy that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we've seen it time and time again. So how do we get it in the middle? And that's where you add the technology and you're like, oh, wow, we could create a platform where people could go look at ASAP Rocky photos. They could quickly find out what he's wearing. They can find a cheaper option too. Then they can go buy it. And through the technology, we can make money if they buy the product. Okay, let's do it. Let's go find the photos. Let's go find the fashion. Let's put it on a technology platform. Let's get the culture running through it. Um, And, you know, I think that was, again, in a fashion lane. I think there's also a broader conversation of like our influencers, our culture. We don't usually monitor like profit off of our influence. Yeah. We're usually the last people in line, right? So, you know, unfortunately, yes, we do make the uh, the, the song or we do make the product popular or whatever, but we did it on TikTok. We don't own TikTok, but TikTok just got infinitely more popular. Their ad revenue just got infinitely bigger, right? Because of what we did. And then, you know, even with YouTube, right? Scooter, your videos are popular people, are, you know, but you don't own YouTube. And so what's happening, right? YouTube is like paying you a little commission, right? Off of their big ad deal that they put in front of your videos. Like that's what's happening, right? Yeah. And so there's this idea of like, oh wow, well, you know, how do we put the influencer first in line? So now when ASAP Rocky wears Air Force Ones, it's not just Nike that gets a lot of cash, right? But like, could we help ASAP Rocky also make money off of each of those purchases? And like, yeah, we can. Like we can tie it back that like, we know that if 50 people bought Air Force Ones, they did it because they came to this photo of ASAP Rocky. Ace of Rocky, you should deserve some cash from that. Now, you know, when you think about it in practice, you know, at least, I don't know, in the COVID world, I imagine uh, artists uh, are looking for all types of money now. But back then, you know, back then before COVID, um, you know, they would get, you know, $50,000 just to like walk through, or, walk through a club, right? So, you know, telling them that they were going to make some money off someone buying their jeans, they weren't really too excited about it. Um, but that was the company. Um, and so it was Look Live. It was like, yo, how do we help the culture monetize, use technology to do it? Um, it was fun. We did Y Combinator. Um, I was a part of that team from 2016 to January of 2020. Um, you know, started out on the marketing team, uh, you know, had an opportunity to become the CEO and, and like lead the company uh, for like two and a half years there, which was great, three years. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, CEO, co-founder of a tech startup, Y Combinator. It was, it was everything that I thought I would be doing. I thought I would be doing all this at 27 mm. and I was doing it at like 22, 23, 24, right? I was CEO of a company going through like legal battles and running payroll and like everything I had seen those Yik Yak guys do, right? I was now doing um, probably three to four years before I thought I would be ready to do it. Um, and, you know, it was amazing growth experience. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really dope. And honestly, you got me thinking back of now how I kind of interpret culture I see on Instagram. Like, for instance, um, like me and my friend, Matt Jones, we're big fans of LaMelo Ball. And we would always see the way he dresses on Instagram. So even when he's, you know, we're seniors and he's a sophomore in high school, we're kind of taking like his fits, little things like, oh, I don't have those Jordans, but I can wear this color that kind of looks like that or those exactly. shoes or like there's a bunch of stuff now that I think of, I look back at like my high school pictures, which was like two years ago, two years ago, I took from like LaMelo Ball's Instagram account, you know? So. Yeah. 
big facts, big facts. You know, that's, that's how it was, man. And so like that happens all the time with our culture, you know, it happens like literally all the time, uh, everyone now. And it's only, uh, you know, there's a book that I'd recommend maybe anyone who's listening, uh, the tanning of America, uh, Steve Stout, famous marketer, um, writes a really good book about the tanning of America and how like, you know, traditionally, if you were white and Jewish, you lived one life. If you were black in the inner city, you lived one life. But now due to technology, it's not like, oh, that's a white thing. That's a black thing. Like everyone's just kind of tan, right? Like yeah. black people are doing what white people are doing. White people are going to do what black people are doing. You got, you know, white little kids, who you know, the TikTok dances better than, you know, some of the black kids. And so it's where the lines are blurred now and the technology is kind of making it to where everyone is like participating in this one kind of shared culture, which we know again is mainly coming from our people. Um, and so I think it's super important that we build the infrastructure, the technology, the platforms to make sure that we like can capture some of that revenue. Right. Um, you know, and just ownership and control and so that we can continue to like cater to our people right because our people have unique needs i think everyone has unique needs and sometimes like those needs don't get built for because people don't see them right uh we see it time and time again right like you know uh look at dishani with maven right mm -hmm. amazing company but investors didn't believe it they were like why do people want fake synthetic hair like what is this weave like i don't get it and he's like and we know right we're singing two chain songs hair weave killer and like yeah. you know all these things and it's like yo like trust the culture, right? Um, but, you know, I think it's important for us to think about how are we building for the culture to really like continue to grow and continue to thrive, right? Um, not really just, all, it's not all about money, but just like continue to thrive and continue to prosper, so. Yeah, so, you know, I guess a couple more questions on Look Live and we'll kind of, you know, keep going through. I'm wondering for yourself, you know, I saw, you know, you guys were selected to be a part of Morgan Stanley's Innovation Lab and you guys made it to the billboard, you know, on Wall Street. Um, I'm yeah. just wondering, you know, how that felt because I've 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 seen that billboard before, and it's massive. It has, you know, different either it's a person or a big brand that has done something great. You know, what was that feeling as an entrepreneur or somebody that's been with a company for a little bit and really have helped them scale? Like, what did that feel like? Man, it it felt oh yeah, uh, it felt well, it felt really good. Um, there there are moments on the journey where you you stop and you're like, oh, wow, we worked hard and got here. And sometimes you don't like really re like recognize those moments. It's a little harder not to when you look up in Times Square and you're like, oh, shit, that's my, like, that's something that we, you know, I remember creating that logo in like <laughs> Photoshop or like, I, you know, like whatever. And so um, I, you know, I think it was super, um, super just like special for that moment. Um, so, you know, for context, uh, Morgan Stanley became an investor. Uh, Morgan Stanley um, holds an, an innovation lab every year that I think if you're listening to this podcast and you have a startup and you think you should apply, apply for it, uh, shameless plug. Um, but their office is right in Times Square, um, uh, Morgan Stanley's office. Um, and so right on Broadway. And so they have obviously signs outside their thing and uh, yeah, they put our logos up there for, you know, about half a day, which is like amazing. It's like, okay, cool. Um, and you see your face and like all this kind of stuff about us. So um, it was a very, very special, special moment. Um, I remember kind of counting down to that moment. Like I'm, this, this is the moment that I'm excited about. Um, but, you know, again, like it's also a fleeting moment if you let it be fleeting, right? Yeah. So you know, after that, we went back to work and there were a lot of late nights and some tears and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so, you know, but like definitely moments that like 
you, you just got to be proud of for sure. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I, I guess last kind of point about Look Live, you know, when did you know it was time to end or start working on, you know, your, your new endeavor, um, Quarantine Con? Like, when did you know, like, it was time to do something different? Um, you feel it. You, you really do feel it. Um, now, that doesn't mean you're always going to act on it. So I felt it for a minute and I didn't act on it. And so what happens is you're like, you would, I would see you and you'd say, How, how's Look Live? And I'd be like, it's good. And my face is telling, saying a whole different thing or my body language is telling me, it's telling you a whole different thing or like the tension you feel in your shoulders or the anxiety you feel every time a Slack call hits or, you know, the, the tension in a room with your co-founder or investors, like those are telltale signs that like, Hey, something isn't working and we need to like fix it. Um, and you know, I think there was a part of me that was like, Oh, we, I can fix this or we can fix it. Um, I think there was a part of me that was also scared to be like leaving. Um, I think there was a, you know, in my head, I had a vision of what Scooter should be doing. Mm -hmm. And so Scooter should be CEO of a tech startup that has investors. Um, anything else is not what Scooter should be doing, or that's not what people expect for Scooter to be doing. Thus, when I would think about how do I get out of this situation or how do I change the situation, I was blocking off all things that weren't being CEO of a startup. And so it was like, all right, we got to just sit here and be CEO of a startup and like go in and go do this every day and kind of put yourself like in the electric chair every day. Um, but what's hard is like, you're all, if you're not also seeing like examples of it getting better, mm. you know, or like you're not seeing signs improve, right? Um, are you getting a new customer? Is the product developing? Is the team getting closer? Like, what are some signs that it's getting better? And like, I don't know, for me, at least I didn't see a lot of those signs. Um, so, you know, I, I would, and that, you know, just also like, it takes a lot of self reflection. Again, you feel it and you have to really like be honest with yourself around like, is this what I want to be? Is this how I want to live? Is this what I want to be doing? Like, even if we make, you know, and again, like also be really honest with you, like, what are the, not even the chances, but like, what am I really here for? Right. Are we on a path to make this a billion dollar company and I'm going to have a $300 million day paycheck day? Yeah. Okay, $15 million pay. Okay. I'm going to have a million dollar paycheck day. Okay. Like, am I barely going to even do a million? Like what are the numbers work out from where we are currently right here? How many years is that going to take? Maybe in six years we get there. Nah, you know, like this is it. Yeah. There's a number of ways to go get to that same result, if not more. Um, but, you know, on the one hand, I do also think the timing was amazing, right? So had I left six months before, I don't think we do a quarantine con because quarantine wasn't going to be a thing, I don't think, you know, or like yeah. would I have been in that position to just so quickly be like, oh, I'm ready to work on quarantine con. Um, so, you know, looking back, it all happens uh, for a reason. I know it sounds cliche, but it's cliche because it's real. Uh, those, you know, things happen, the time and place they happen and like, being able to, you know, I think, you know, some of the first advice I had, right, was like, yo, when things don't go your way, like, it's okay, like, there's patience and time, especially as a college student, but even for, you know, most, like, again, I was, st I'm still very young, um, I like to think, and so, um, you know, hey, it didn't work out, right, you did not go sell that company for $400 million, right, yeah, that's what you went to sleep thinking and hoping and dreaming, and, you know, you put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it, and, like, it just, that did not happen. Uh, it might happen with for them, but with you as CEO, that did not happen. Now, does that mean that like that will never happen for you? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means like right now, this is not 
how you're going to get there. Um, and so you have to kind of like be okay and say, okay, well, I'm delayed. I'm not denied, right? Like, let me take the lessons here and go apply it somewhere else. Um, and let me, let me go get another at bat, right? Like right now I'm literally standing here. I hit a fly ball and I'm just like, I know it's a fly. And I'm like, this shit's not going over the fence. Like, you know, like it's just a fly ball. And I'm just mm -hmm. like sitting here waiting for it to like eventually someone to catch it so I can go get out, you know? And it's yeah. like, you know, it's like, dude, like, let's just get, let's just go and go yeah. do it again. Like let, let this, let it, let it, let it drop. Okay, cool. And like get back at a bat and like, oh wow, you hit a double right, right out of the swing. Like, okay. Like enjoy that double. Enjoy it. Cool. Right. And, and you know, let's go get another one. So yeah. Gosh, that's dope. So, you know, shift over now to, you know, what you're working on currently quarantine con, you know, really tell people, you know, what is quarantine con? And, you know, I haven't, I maybe have an idea of where it came, have how it came about because of COVID. Um, yeah. Just walk me through what quarantine con is and let the listeners know what's it, what, what it's about. Yeah. Um, so quarantine con is, is this digital community that we have. Um, and it's a series of digital events. Um, so, you know, give you some time context in January, I leave look live. So I leave the startup that, you know, helped start in 2016 and, you know, went through all the prestigious accelerator programs and all this stuff that I was thought was like, you know, really what I needed to do to make something successful. And I leave the company. I'm like, Hey, this is my last day. Can't do it anymore. Like it's just, I'm my heart's not in it. I gotta go. Mm -hmm. uh, I cry. I fly home. I think I flew to LA and started doing consulting for different folks and just like, okay, let me just make some cash for a second. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I flew home for my mom's birthday dinner. Um, and my good buddy Trayvon, who I did the water world record with, um, or tried to do it with, um, hit me up and said, Hey, let's do a digital conference. Um, you know, like, or first off, he just said, Hey, let's go to a digital conference. And this is literally the first week of the pandemic. And I'm like, what's a digital conference? I don't even know what that is. Like we're supposed to be at home right now. Like no one's supposed to leave their house this weekend. This is all weird. And I get on it and I'm like, man, we should throw one of these for like black entrepreneurs and creatives. Um, we, we know so many entrepreneurial creative black people again right at that intersection of culture and technology where i'm like if i'm betting on someone guess who i'm betting on i'm betting on the culture i'm betting yeah. on people in the culture every time and i found some technology that could allow us to do a conference and so together we were like okay yeah this makes sense let's put let's go to the intersection of culture and technology and let's throw a digital conference for for this group we thought 500 people would show up 5,000 people showed up wow. and from there quarantine con was born it was like oh quarantine con like and it was the first week of the quarantine it was like it was you know for lack of better terms pretty brilliant and so we've thrown 35 events for quarantine con since then um i think we've done 70 events in total virtual events wow. um and so you know yeah quarantine con is a digital community if you come to an event hopefully you're a part of the community now um, and we do everything from career fairs. We've done pitch competitions where we gave away $50,000. We, you know, um, we've done culinary showcases. We did a mental health day. We've done virtual phone banking and civic engagement. We've done uh, things about finances. And again, right, what did we say at the beginning, right? Like, what, what, what do you think? Like, you know, when I thought about making money, it was like, oh, I get to put my ideas into like action and like, 
this is what it would be. And so, um, you know, lo and behold, when we did the first quarantine con, we just had a platform to be like, let's go do more ideas. And yeah. that's where we are. That's great. So I guess from yourself, what has been some of the feedback that things have been the, maybe the most useful to people, you know, since they've really engaged with, with quarantine con? Uh, repeat the question one more time. I'm wondering, I guess for yourself, you know, from feedback you've heard from a lot of people, you know, what has maybe yeah. been the most impactful thing that people have got away from quarantine con? Oh man. Um, you know, after the first few, after the first one, people were telling us, thank you. It wasn't even, they were saying like, great job. They were just saying, thank you. They're like, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. So I, I was at home. I didn't know what to do. I'm ner- like, this is March. Like think about March. Like now we're all kind of like, we're all still nervous, but I think we're all a little bit more like, okay, let's just get to it. But in March, people were really nervous. Like, I can't fly home. I'm stuck. My family's stuck somewhere. How do I do this? My job is like based on me going outside. So like, I can't go outside. I can't make money. Like people were really shot, like shook. And so there was this moment, I think, where people were like, wow, I'm not alone. <laughs> like, you know, I thought I was going to be alone in the house and I'm not. I'm actually with people that look like me, that get me, we're swag surfing, we're, we're listening to music, I'm connecting, I'm, I'm hearing inspirational talks from like leaders, stuff that I probably would have never been able to go see or do, right? I'm getting to hear from these people. So people were saying, thank you. Um, you know, some other things that we've seen now, um, there's a, a, a woman who has a son, newly met, married, and she got a job from our uh, quarantine wow. con, uh, career fair, you know, and it's like, Holy cow, right? Um, I think about Jasmine, who won our pitch competition, right? And we were able to give her uh, thousands upon thousands of dollars. Um, and she pitched, you know, she wasn't technically at home, but she was at home, right? She was, you know, in her office, like, at her laptop pitching for, for a grand prize. And, you know, but we also surprised, like, 10 people with money that day, right? Like, there were, you know, people just thought the first, second, and third place were going to win, but we also gave money to fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. And these people who, you know, again, we're stuck at home, can't leave, you know, writing applications, doing pitches over, you know, your webcam. And so that wasn't, that's been very impactful. I think um, it's also been impactful, you know, some of our like civic engagement things have been very impactful. Um, Those events were cool because we got to bring in like activists and speakers and people who were literally changing society changing the way like changing laws that affected you know our people disproportionately getting able to like highlight their work and lift their voices up and normalize their voices um was inspiring for me to say the least um and i think it i think it had an effect on other people so the effect has been amazing and overwhelming i think that is the true success marker um you know again like it's projects right like you know there's I'm obviously not as naive as I was at 15 and I was like, Oh yeah, I'll make money years from now. I'll figure that out later. Let me just do something fun that people can enjoy. It's like, we're getting to do both, but that doing something that people enjoy and love, like that's just amazing. Like that's a really, really good feeling to hear people go, damn, you know, I wanted to get into stocks. I wanted to get into investing. And now they're getting into it because they came to a quarantine kind of it. It's amazing to see people who they were a chef on our culinary showcase getting booked for gigs at someone's company who also came to the showcase and met them for the first time. You know, it's like, this is, this is connect. This is the, 
these are the you know the connection points and the nodes that like I'm just really happy that we're getting to like feed off of I think because I don't know in my life in my story like that's how it's been it's been like oh like you get to do this you get to do that you get to again you get to have all these at bats <laughs> and like you know it's but the game is not fun if like I can't pitch to myself right and so like you know it's it's like yeah we got to get everybody in position and playing in this game um, and so I'm, I'm glad that hopefully quarantine con is you know putting more catchers on the field putting more third baseman out there putting more short stops like there's seven other people behind me ready to get at bat now so I'm trying to get my at bat and get out of the way um, and so like to me that is the important stuff and the power that we have to do um, and yes like you know leaning in thinking about monetization and you know making 200 million dollars is definitely something that we want to do but um, you know like some things come first yeah I mean I, honestly about quarantine con you know Actually, you know, yesterday I was kind of doing more research about you and kind of what quarantine, what quarantine kind of was. And I saw the interview on YouTube you did with Carla Harris. And, you know, even for myself looking at that, like, because I had some thoughts in my head about like, how do I go about interview prep and, you know, going through internships and learning, seeing your guys and hearing your guys conversation really helped out me. And, you know, that's for you putting in the work and being persistent. I'm sure like it's, you know, getting somebody of her stature on is going to be a tough thing to do. And for you to do that, it's great, not just for your brand, but it just helped out me and other people in general. So um, just for like, thank you so much. Um, but I guess like- no, thank you. Yeah, again, thank you. It's all, it's all, we all need to be on the field. So, you know, again, like you don't have Carlos without the us's and you don't have us's without the Carlos. Like you gotta have everyone there. Yeah, got you. Um, trying to think, I, mainly because yeah. some of these tech issues, like sometimes they suck because as far as the Zoom, Zoom it info. So any of you guys that are listening right now, there are some Zoom issues, so bear with me. Um, but I got a couple more questions, you know, as far as this podcast, if that's cool with you. Um, yeah, you know, I guess I'm wondering for you, you know, how can a person really know if they're entrepreneurial or what advice would you give? I'm sure you get people that come to you saying, you know, I'm within a job right now, but I want to go more being an entrepreneur. Or you have certain people who are entrepreneurs saying, maybe this lifestyle isn't for me. You know, I want to go maybe go work at a company and, you know, find myself or figure it out. You know, what advice do you try to give to people? Yeah, I think you can, it's like a spectrum. I think you can flow back and forth between, right? Like, I don't think because you're, that was my big fear. That's why I didn't leave Look Live when I probably should have left because I was like, I'm an entrepreneur. That's what I am. I am this person. I, you know, and it's like, yeah, you are entrepreneurial and you have maybe entrepreneurial qualities, but like if you had to be in a corporate setting, yes, you could actually be an employee. Like it's not like you forgot how to do that. And if you're an employee somewhere, like you have entrepreneurial traits probably. And yes, you can go do well at a startup, but it doesn't mean that like you define yourself based on like these things, again, with this vision of what should you should be doing, uh, you know, kind of define yourself based on the actions like that you are. So like, hey, if you've launched something and it made some type of money, like that's entrepreneurship. That's, you know, you are an entrepreneur, even if it didn't work out and you still have this corporate job. You're not a phony because you also have a corporate job and you uh, are an entrepreneur. You're also, you know, not the coolest cat in the world because you're just an entrepreneur. There are people who are employees at companies who are leading amazing initiatives and changing the world, right? Um, and so you don't just do that because you're an entrepreneur. Um, and so, you know, I think like that is something to kind of keep in mind um, that is a spectrum. And like, 
you know, I would also say just in, start to envelop yourself um, in the space, right? Yeah. So the, the key to a great entrepreneur is they're making something that someone wants, right? So just because you launched the app and like you have a nice logo and like all that, like that's the, that's the side that we can get done, right? Like, you know, people say it in the, in the, um, all the time, you know, in deals and deal making, like, you know, cutting the check and actually paying you, like that, that stuff's easy. Like that's, all right, what's your bank account number? Okay, cool. I'm gonna type in these little numbers on the screen and like in three minutes, you're gonna have the $20,000, right? But it's the, it's the deal, right? It's the art of the deal, the relationship, the massaging of the relationship, the trust that has to be built between the two parties. That's what takes the time. Um, and so like, you know, thinking about that with your customer, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, the logo, the branding, you know, all that, that'll work. But like, does your customer want it? Does they, do they love it? Do your customer want to pay you? Does your customer want to pay you even when you, you know, they want to pay you extra for stuff that, that you don't even have yet. Like, those are the things that like, if you want to be an entrepreneur, go figure out like who you're building this thing for yeah. and what will help, what help, what will they want to love from you? Like what do you need to go build to match that? Um, that's way better energy spent rather than being like, I'm not an entrepreneur because like I haven't quit my job yet. And like, you can, you can do that without having to quit your job. Um, it's totally fine. Um, yeah. and then the reality of it, like, yo, like, you know, take out a sheet of paper, like how much money, you know, what's, what's your burn rate? What is your personal burn rate? Well, what do I mean by that? How much money does it take for you to live? <laughs> is that, what is that number? When you include rent, insurance, car note, phone bill, food, housing, you know, all the stuff, not the dates and not the, not the extra stuff, not the yeah. Gucci belt, but like the essentials, what does that take? Is that 4,000 a month? Is that 5,000 a month? Is that 10,000 a month? Is that, you know, what kind of lifestyle are you living? And then work backwards. Okay. How much money do I need to make to like do this? And it's like, okay, I need to make 7,000 a month. Okay. Well, this app that I'm creating has no monetization strategy. So I probably shouldn't quit my job right now and go do that. Maybe I should keep my job. I should go try to save, I don't know, $49,000. And now I'm like, oh, great. I have seven months to go live at home on this $49,000, budget it well, and like hopefully get my product to a good point. Right. Yeah. Um, like those are the real conversations that people have. I mean, I know I just glossed over it like it's easy, but those are the real things that people are like having to think about as they want to go start a company. Um, you know, just because you have the logo and you, you know, you put a Facebook status up, it doesn't really mean that, you know, it's like, it's a good, it's a good first step, but like, there's a lot more involved there. Um, also like, you know, you, you like love it, you know, like mm -hmm. love it. Seriously. Um, at the end there, I didn't love look live. And again, it was yeah. one of those things where it's like, like, man, am I, I'm putting myself, I'm really, sitting in this electric chair every day for something I don't love. And it's not even like, yeah, that's terrible for me. It's also terrible for my team, like in my partners, like that's not fair to them, right? Yeah. That someone is now leading them who's like not really into it, like remove yourself from the situation. And so can you do something that like you're okay with if you have to get hit in the face, which you are every day, you're going to come back and be like, I know I got hit in the face yesterday, but we got a whole new day here and I'm ready to attack it. I'm ready to think critically. I'm ready to, you know, when someone asks me what I do, I'm going to use my, I'm going to project my voice and stand up straight and look them in the eye and be proud of what we're doing rather than like, I'm going to be anxiety filled and timid and like shy. And I don't even want to attempt to go talk to someone because now they're going to make fun of it. It's just like, yo, like don't put yourself through that.
it's okay. Because again, remember I told you, like, it was like, you have time. Like, you know, I, I thought, yo, yo, Scooter should be an entrepreneur of a C, you know, CEO of a venture back startup. And now you're leaving this thing, Scooter? Like, what are you doing? This is your one shot to go run this company and go do this. Like, you're never going to find something that's going to be as big as Look Live. What happens? <laughs> like, you know, that was when? Three months, two and a half months after I left, right? It's like, so no, like you can, you know, you, if you give yourself the chance and put yourself in a chance to like keep having good at bats, like you're going to be able to have at bats. And then each, after each at bat, like learn what happened and what went wrong and make it better. So now with Trayvon, man, our co-founder relationship in a way different place than my look life co-founder relationship. Right. Like, you know, and it's because I learned, it's because I also learned like, what I don't like, I also learned a lot about myself. I learned like, oh, you are a little bit stubborn or spoiled or, you know, like, you know, when you don't speak up, Scooter, you then feel frustrated when something doesn't go the way that you thought it should go, but you didn't really speak up. So the other person didn't know that you want, it's like, wait, so you got to start speaking up and like being okay with maybe causing some friction and being able to say like, hey, like this is not it you know and i know it's probably gonna hurt your feelings that you just worked three hours on this thing but like this is just not the direction but it's also you know you're not saying it's not the direction because like i'm the boss and it's not the direction it's also like you worked at you had all these at bats you had the yik yak at bats you had the jawful at bats you had the look live at bats so now when you get to this point you're like hey i've seen this before uh i don't think we should do this i think we should go right you know um and being able to express that rather than hold it in knowing that y'all are going left, knowing it's going to be a dead end yeah. and then being frustrated with your co-founder and being passive aggressive is just not a good look. So um, I don't know, hopefully that answers the question. But No, that's great. I mean, you really answered kind of two questions I had in my mind as far as, you know, really how to build a startup or some of the first things to think about when you are building it. Um, and then just, you know, really get into this pandemic. Um, I guess my last question, I'm just curious, you know, what are some of the new things that are coming with quarantine con in the near future? Um, what's you, don't have, you don't have to release. I know some of this stuff might be confidential, but you know, if you can give something to, to the privilege black kids podcast, it would be nice. Um, yeah, no, I think you know, we're playing around with different ideas and formats, right? So, uh, always just thinking of like, how do we keep again, mashing culture and technology. And so like, it was, you know, the conference was fun in March, but what did we do? We did pitch competitions, career fairs, we did all these different things. And now what's interesting is like, you know, fellowships, schools, cohorts, you know, accelerators, incubators, venture studios, like what's the new format of this thing um, and where can that go? And so I think that's what's exciting right now is hopefully seeing more ways for you to get involved. Like if, if going to a conference and sitting there for two hours listening to people was like the first B1, like is B2 the fact that like people will be like certified or like there's going to be like, I don't know, quarantine con alumni of like you know certain type of like lecture programs or, or like a fellowship class or yeah. you know um do we start investing in people's companies and ideas like these are the things that like are coming uh, and nothing is like tomorrow but um these are the things that we're thinking about um on how to like grow this community and, and keep engaging and keep adding value yeah definitely dope um but yeah, Scooter, like, you know, thank you so much for coming on. Like, it really meant a lot. Thanks and, for having um, me. Seriously, thanks for having me.
yeah, just thank you guys. And, you know, thank you everyone that listened to this episode. And uh, this is another episode of Privileged Black Kids. If you like that episode of Privileged Black Kids, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Follow us on Instagram at Privileged Black Kids Podcast and follow our amazing guest on Instagram at Scooter Taylor. And you can follow him on LinkedIn if you want want to. Um, All of that information will be in the description below. Um, Thank you guys for all the love and support. And thank you for listening to that episode of Privileged Black Kids.